Welcome to Get Wisdom with your hosts, Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Imagine if God was a co-host. What if the historically rare ability to converse with God and get profound answers to questions has been rediscovered? What would God say to today's troubled world? Get Wisdom will share those answers. Now, here is Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Get Wisdom. I'm Brian Kelly along with Get Wisdom founder and director, Carl Mollison. This week, we're going to look at how Creator explains the true origins of faulty coping behavior. We're going to be looking at uh, the quirky behavior that uh, a lot of people have exhibit. I, I probably have a few quirks myself, Carl. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I, you this have is no clue, totally right? foreign to me. I'm just a, just a straight arrow, <laughs> mundane, easygoing, middle-of-the-road kind of guy. When you're not channeling God, but that's beside the point. <laughs> well, that's maybe the only oddity. I have to admit to that, otherwise I won't be authentic, will I? So that, that's right. That's right. Uh, no, this 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 should be a fun topic. I've previewed the answers that have come through, and some of them are quite fascinating. So we'll get right into it. U.S. Creator, for the purposes of this topic, we'll define faulty coping behavior as repeated patterns of behavior or obsessions and habits that appear to third-party observers to cause more problems than they solve. They're not so severe as to win the insanity label or result in, say, losing custody of children or anything like that. But why do so many people seem to lack everyday common sense? Right? This is what Creator tells us. You are living in an abnormal world through an abnormal mind and body corrupted by manipulation to be inefficient, fragmented with levels of the mind disconnected from one another and much corruption in the deep part of the mind outside of conscious awareness. Under these circumstances, one might expect things will not go smoothly. You are far from being robotic beings to begin with, but thinking, feeling, creative consciousness that is ever restless and wanting growth and expansion and experiencing to be ongoing. This will make you mercurial as you will be volatile and have a kind of restlessness seeking variety. This is a sole imperative to expand on what has already been lived and experienced through the senses to seek something more, something different, something better. Thus, you will be unpredictable. When that yearning is confounded by obstacles and malfunctioning parts of the mind, and particularly when there is an interplay with perceived threats of some kind that trigger deep inner emotion, there will be an overlay of discomfort and confusion, and this will lead to coping behaviors that will sometimes be of value, but other times work against your own interests, as they're not truly healing anything, but helping you get by and will fall short. The fact your largest part of existence is hidden from you and all of your doings in other lifetimes, being outside of conscious awareness, but visible to the deep subconscious, you have much to be concerned with, as life has more often than not been unpleasant, short, and brutal. On a deep level, you are worried things will get worse. That is plenty to cause all kinds of seemingly neurotic behavior to cope with the dilemma. You know, it's interesting, but I think Creator makes a strong point in this that maybe is not so obvious. But, you know, a lot of people plan 
a future of ease, you know, where things are going to be relaxing and then kind of coast, you know. <laughs> I know I've thought that and wanted that. But Creator is saying succinctly that we're always going to be wanting new experiences and, and, and pushing for higher expression, you know. This idea of coasting is something that's foreign to the soul, as, as what I'm reading here. What do you think, Carl? Well, I think that's very true, and I've seen that in the course of my life and the way I work. I'm constantly seeking something new, and I have endless curiosity, and I'm very impatient. I I want to know more. I want to experience more, and I get very focused and intense about it. That's coming from somewhere. That's a basic makeup of my hardwiring in there. Not everyone's that way. But there's other dimensions, too. That's under normal circumstances that you have this soul imperative. What about if you have an inner war going on? You don't even know about consciously. That's the big problem people have and why they have chronic anxiety. People are clueless. I just, you know, sometimes people have panic attacks and it comes out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. I have clients who wake up in a panic attack. Where did that come from? Well, it's a war going on deep in the subconscious from interlopers tormenting and slinging propaganda at you 24-7. Yes. Yep. So we're going to hear some some examples of what the deep subconscious thinks about all day. Yeah, and, and how it's uh, it's trying to probably trying to help us, but then that help gets a little off kilter at times, so it's interesting. You ask creator, how does past life trauma account for quirky behavior? For instance, there is a person with an obsessive need to keep cupboards and refrigerators so full of food that one cannot open the door without stuff falling out. And if any space does open up, this person begins to feel uncomfortable and anxious, with the only solution being to go to the store and fill those spaces. This seems to be emotionally, not rationally motivated behavior. Can Creator explain why she does this? Right, and this is Creator's words. This is a perfect illustration of the dilemma in being cut off from what is perceived on a deep level of the mind without the conscious self available to think through the implications and in particular to apply logic and reason that the deep mind is reviewing an old story that has already been lived and is no longer current or pertaining to the current lifetime. That is a piece that is missing because the deep inner part of the mind is more emotional and not adept at problem solving. It sees everything as having just happened when it might have been something being inspected from previous lifetimes long before, at least in the linear time illusion you are living, and in any event separate from the current experiencing. The only thing that can carry over is the trauma and its consequences to lowering the vibration of the being and stirring up inner discord and unhealthy, stressful fear and anxiety, anger, sadness, and so on. This individual has experienced prior lifetimes of famine and desperately wants to avoid being without food on hand, having watched her family die one by one from hunger and was, in effect, tortured by the experience from being powerless to do anything at all to to forestall the inevitable. So her deep subconscious is endeavoring to maintain a full larder containing as much food as possible to be ready for the next time this disaster strikes. 
So on the one hand, it is irrational because the motivation is based on events that are now out of date. But on the other hand, it is quite logical to respond this way. Having lived that nightmare and not knowing it cannot come again tomorrow. This needs deep karmic repair to free the person from the ongoing torment and agony about this possibility striking her and her loved ones. And the good news is we're going to attempt some of that deep karmic repair with a number of the protocols and practices that we share here with Get Wisdom. Um, But, you know, an interesting thing, um, it seems like when we're dreaming about the future, that at the same time we have a a recognition that we need some kind of, of reliable platform or foundation underneath us. And if we feel like that foundation is threatened, then our ambitions kind of get put on the shelf and we start worrying about the foundation. And that can become a feedback loop. So I think this person, as an example, just feels like her foundation is is not sturdy, you know, and she needs the additional comfort of have, of knowing there's enough food around in order to get that mental stability that she can then pursue her additional dreams from. But because that platform is always moving, she can never, it, it becomes kind of a treadmill. Yeah, and this is the fate of most people when they think they're going to be set. Maybe they have enough financially they can retire and, and have some more leisure time and so on. Their problems don't go away. Yeah. <laughs> and they're still anxious and afraid and tormented, and they don't know why. This is the mechanism. This is the major reason, in yeah. addition to having spirit possession, that tor- you know torments you directly. Absolutely. U.S. Creator, there was a young man in his youth who suffered more than his fair share of tragedy. He had siblings die in childhood, two, two siblings die in childhood, and a third disappear after running away and becoming homeless. He lived at home with his parents well into his middle-aged adulthood and worked at a modest, and worked at a hospital with a modest, low-paying job as an orderly. Yet he saved enough money to buy a new high-end muscle car that was a favorite with collectors. The enigmatic thing was that he would spend up to two hours every day washing and detailing the vehicle. Can Creator share what purpose this behavior served for this individual, as the car certainly did not need need or require daily washing? (laughs) All right, and Creator tells us, this was at once a self-protective as well as a self-rewarding exercise. In a prior lifetime, this person had experienced great poverty, but was then given a precious gift that set him apart from all others in the community because it came from on high, from the powers that be, as a mark of distinction and a reward. This was also a ticket to a better life, as he immediately was respected and supported by others around him. In displaying this trophy for all to see, It became a kind of badge of honor and status that ensured his acceptance and success. The deep subconscious mind in the current life, seeing that history, is attempting to recreate those dynamics and good feelings by purchasing a kind of iconic trophy he believes connotes status, and his deep subconscious wants everyone to see it by motivating him to not only treasure his possession, but to put it on display, treat it lovingly, and lavish attention to keep it shiny and be noticed by everyone. So here, too, is a past life circumstance that lives on. It has a certain emotional appeal and inner satisfaction in carrying out this kind of daily ritual, but it is truly meaningless in terms of having no practical value, 
So it was a time-wasting tribute to the past that is over and done with. And that energy would be better spent doing something more productive. Many human follies have their origin in repeating past glories or working to prevent past nightmares from recurring. You know, I eventually moved away. This was in my parents' house. It was in the neighborhood I grew up with, and I knew this guy. And, uh, you know, I, I moved away eventually, but he, he was out there washing that thing for a good four or five years. You know, it stayed in the garage. He almost never drove it. But uh, I just thought, just thought it was the strangest thing. You know, I admired the car. I, I would have wanted one. It was a great car. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was quite, but, but it makes, you know, this, this notion that the subconscious, the deep subconscious is trying to help us reconnect with good feelings. So the subconscious isn't just trying to, to beat us up all day long. I hope people will never get that impression. It's actually there to serve, you know, yes. and it wants us to feel good. When it has an opportunity to try to help us do that. It will do the best it can, but the sub- deep subconscious is not a rational being. <laughs> it's well, a reactionary being. Yeah, well, this is an example, too. Someone who was resting on their laurels, but they were the only one who knew <laughs> right. and, and could appreciate <laughs> what the significance of it was. And yeah. that person himself didn't really know. No. He just knew he felt good when yeah. he bought this trophy and then put it on display. But not the real reasons why. And so he was trapped by his own past. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating. You ask creator, an outwardly successful business owner who was also a black belt martial artist and powerfully built and who carried himself as if nothing in the universe could possibly frighten him, turned out to have an inordinate fear of water. So much so that when invited to a pool party with an above ground pool only five feet deep and with him being over six feet tall, he still would not go into the water, but was observed to keep himself away well from the pool's edge. What can account for this man's deep-seated phobia of water? All right, and Creator tells us, here again is past life recollection, distorting the current life experience from stirring up fear. He drowned helplessly in a past life, and it was a terrifying death. It is being relived over and over by his deep subconscious, who is looking at the Akashic records and replaying it like a movie and knows it was experienced personally, but cannot see that it is another life that is over and done with. So there's no inner reasoning to put this in perspective, that it was painful and disastrous then, but it does not mean there will be a reoccurrence in the present life. That is the piece that is missing here. What keeps it alive and painful is the stored negativity from the trauma. That is the dynamic behind all of these kinds of discord. The original trauma was never healed. So the negative consequences are stored energetically in the Akashic records as a part of the record of what happened. When a person connects to it, they will feel the pain and it will seem quite fresh and it becomes a compelling karmic need to do something because the person in the current life has no capability to heal it. Given the state of ignorance about such things, they can only try to cope and deal with the inner fear it will happen again, and this leads to much suffering and confusion because it will not be consciously perceived as to the origin of the dilemma having such a strong emotional impact on the current life. What is needed is a resolution for that past trauma, for the fear to be eliminated. That can only be done through deep subconscious channeling with a facilitation of trauma resolution. There is no other way to resolve it completely. Well, that last statement is, is pretty forceful and one that I can't say I've seen before, where 
you know, I'm under the impression that the light worker healing protocol will clean things up eventually. So this is that. This is like uh, to say that there's no other way to resolve it completely. Um, what do you What do you say about this, Carl? Well, the the light worker healing protocol is very comprehensive, very thorough, but it takes time. And one of the things that slows it down is when you have inner negative beliefs of your own that can get in the way of divine healing. Right. Yes, that's true. God has to take your lead in things. This is the arrangement. We're given our own free agency, free will. Our rules, our beliefs rule in our kingdom of our personal life. So if you believe you're doomed, if you believe you're unworthy, that God forgot about you, you're putting handcuffs on the Almighty. And even God can't help you because you've decreed that cannot happen. So what this process does to go in through channeling and talk to the deep subconscious, we can help resolve the trauma, bringing the pain and negative energy, and also facilitate a belief replacement for those kinds of negative beliefs. So this is a powerful adjunct for the Lightworker Healing Protocol. And And you can get the service now through our website. Check out GetWisdom.com and check out the service. U.S. Creator, there is a martial artist who has six black belts in six different disciplines. Once when asked why, he replied, others golf, this is what I do. Seems reasonable, right? But another time he was over here complaining after practicing with weapons, which are wooden swords and knives, not real knives or swords, that he simply couldn't stand being vulnerable, as he put it. And this from a man with six black belts. Can Creator share what trauma has clearly fueled this man's lifelong obsession with self-defense? All right, Creator tells us, while the warrior archetype is alive and well today because human combat continues in various locations around the world, this has been a prominent feature of human society for millennia now. Most males have had their innings in combat or as civilians being victimized from being in harm's way at a time of war when invading armies or bands of marauders and the subsequent lawlessness that followed came through to rape and pillage and were no match for the superior forces and their armaments. Having had his life cut short during a number of such lifetimes, this person can see through the deep subconscious inspection of the Akashic records of those lifetimes and in response has become quite determined to be prepared for anything in the current life so as not to be caught unawares and ill-equipped to do battle. He is literally becoming a soldier, even though he is a civilian. Because of his inner fear, it will save his life one day. While that is possible, it is unlikely, given his age and presence in the current culture, that he will be doing frontline duty in the military or even be subjected to an invasion force. Nonetheless, he is acting on an inner compulsion, to address the non-problem. <laughs> I love that last paragraph, uh, last phrase there, you know. He is acting on an inner compulsion to address the non-problem. Creator has such a way with words, and sometimes even a little humor, I think, has it, is sprinkled in there. Well, we're talking about faulty coping behavior. Yes, we are. And these are examples, and it's very, very common. It's probably the rule more than the exception, in some way or another. Maybe not this intense or life-altering in some cases. 
this guy's kind of an extreme example, but but he made the most of it. I mean, he got plenty of attention. He went around, he did, he does seminars, travels the country, he enjoys it. It's a hobby, so he's he's getting some out of it. It's not a waste of his time or energy per se. Um, but but it was it's just so odd, you know. Why would somebody pers- with such passion pursue six black belts, you know? So it's an interesting answer. Um, I know from my own experience, you know, I, I've studied Aikido. That's how I came to know this guy, and. Um, I, I have to confess, to some extent, I, I pursued Aikido to, probably for that same concern because I felt vulnerable and wanted some skills to make mm-hmm. me feel safer. You know. Well, well, some of this is normal. I mean, it's a part of being a fragile, vulnerable, physical human. Yeah. Be sure to check us out at Get Wisdom. Just like Carl said in the last channeling that uh, we have the service of the, the deep subconscious channeling is available. So. Go to GetWisdom.com. We have a healing tab on the main nav bar, and you can check out the service there. And we'll be right back with more Get Wisdom right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive lightworker healing protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the second segment of this week's Get Wisdom. We are looking at creators' revelations around people's faulty coping behaviors, or uh, quirky behavior is another way of looking at it. Um, I know I have mine, <laughs> and, and everybody I know has some, with maybe the exception of Carl, but I'll, I'll, we'll leave that aside for the moment. <laughs> Careful. Yes. <laughs> I may have to do an autopsy on you, one of these... Uh... Uh-oh. One of these shows here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on with it then. U.S. Creator, saving money is wise, more often than not. But when it becomes an obsession, it can result in a number of issues. Hoarding is one of them. Some people will buy an endless string of used goods if they are cheap, but whether the item purchased is even needed or useful is seems to be a secondary concern. To the extent that such a person is convinced that saving money is good... Arguments advocating moderation seem to fall on deaf ears. Can Creator comment on this? All right, and Creator says the following. 
the behavior of an extreme kind that warrants the label of a person becoming a hoarder is a good example of irrational conduct. They accumulate to a fault and exaggerate the perceived importance and value of all the items they hold dear and which accumulate to a point where normal life becomes quite difficult. And there might even be a danger in living with them if garbage is not thrown out and perishable items are intermixed with household belongings. This invites rodent infestation and truly prevents any kind of efficient living when it is impossible to track the location of what might be present and retrieve it for potential use. So the vast hoard of accumulated material is a burden and a barrier to successful living and not an asset. Here again is an attempt to fill an emotional void with physical objects that are not what is truly needed. So no amount of accumulation will satisfy and bring an end to the cravings being indulged. It is an attempt to gain gravitas, to have enough substance, and by extension, a kind of wherewithal to feel secure and solid and grounded as though they might float away, but for their countless possessions. People have a kind of energetic attachment to things around them that they buy and live with. So there is a kind of energetic intertwining with one's home and everything within. While you might have a title to the property and sales receipts for your purchases along the way, in effect, those objects have a hold on you as well because of your courtings energetically that keep you connected. This is termed putting down roots in the common language and is literally the truth. The hoarder is wanting more and more and more roots to promote their stability because of a deep emotional need of feeling disconnected and rootless in effect. This too is a karmic dilemma with a history. And what is needed is deep karmic repair and healing to resolve the underlying trauma, enabling the person to feel comfortable when unencumbered by massive possessions. It will be freeing even as they lighten their load. After all, everything one possesses and owns carries with it a kind of obligation to be a steward, to provide housing and maintenance and sometimes repair as well. Even the act of cutting back may take much time and energy to put items unneeded any longer up for sale. So it can represent quite a drain of energy and time to manage. But again, there is an inner need for self-protection underway. Oh, it's an interesting answer. Uh, I know. I know from personal experience. Uh, you know, I've, I've I've said many times that sometimes it's just as bad to have too much as it is to have nothing. You know, because if you can't find what you need in a pile, <laughs> then you might as well not have it. You know, and I've known of people in these situations where they'll just every time they need like a pair of pliers, they just go buy a new one because it takes too much time to locate the ten they already own. <laughs> you probably yeah. know people like that too, Carol. Oh, sure. And, you know, there's television programs devoted to hoarders. And so it's not a a rare problem, but it's experienced for probably the majority of people at one time or another. Even as as children, you know, and some learn to do better and keep a more orderly environment than they did as kids when their room was like a a tornado had struck and nothing was ever (laughs) put anywhere meaningfully and so on. But studies have shown that it is stressful to have clutter. Oh, yeah. Just clutter, let alone hoarding level accumulation. 
the other thing, interesting thing about this answer that I want to highlight is this idea that we have energetic cordings to our possessions. And obviously that probably varies with the possession. Some, you know, possessions that are really near and dear and have a lot of sentimental value, we have a very strong cording to. That's a, that's a fascinating observation. Yes. Well, there's a, there is a physics to relationships and to life itself. Yeah. Someday humanity will hopefully know more about it. (laughs) Eli's creator, spouses throughout the ages have noted that they are rarely listened to. A spouse might observe that a window where a spouse is trying to grow some starter plants, for instance, lacks sufficient sunlight, but is utterly and even violently ignored. But when a neighbor, who is anything but a botanist, points out the same thing, the plants get moved right away. Even though people have more mobility today, we seem to be isolated more than ever. People have fewer and fewer non-family guests than ever before. Common sense appears to need common inputs from multiple people. Does excessive privacy and isolation impair common sense? Well, creator's answer is, there can certainly be negative consequences of solitude and isolation being out of tune, being out of touch with the culture, and out of step with the community. Over time, this will change a person and shape their behavior and make them seem odd and quirky because there will be a natural awkwardness from a re-encounter with neighbors and so on after an extensive period living alone. There, of course, is a range in degrees of difficulty that may develop. People are also viewed as individuals and may represent varying degrees of risk or value as perceived by an observer. Often those closest to a person will be discounted if there is any ongoing negativity towards them as they may be seen as having a less valuable fount of wisdom and reliability. This might be accurate or it might be a misjudgment because of a prior karmic episode in another lifetime altogether. When an individual let them down or was found to have great shortcomings that caused a significant problem. And that may lead to a mistrust of them in the current life together. That is no longer justified, but nonetheless will be acted on because the deep subconscious harbors the prior assessment of their reliability. So here again, opinions and feelings based on ancient history may well get in the way of happiness and success in the current life with relationships, as well as almost any kind of planning and life experience. You know, this is the first time that I think Creator has directly said that opinions, using using the actual word opinions, can carry over from life to life. I hadn't heard it put quite that way. It's, of course, true, and if you think about it, it makes sense. But it's interesting to actually hear it put that way. Well, we have all kinds of knowledge and predilections from our prior life experience that does potentially carry over if we connect to it. And this is what the deep subconscious does most of the time. It's looking at what it knows about every new idea that comes along and it's listening to your mind. And then it runs to see, what do we know about that? Oh, he's interested in fishing, is he? Well, you know, what do we what do we know about that? And then it'll go back to lives as a fisherman where there was a gale and 
and he was lost at sea and drowned and and there may be stress starting even as the person is looking for a fun hobby right and that might be a good aspect because fishing was life-giving in other lifetimes for this person and so there's a warming up to the idea from that standpoint but it's a mixed bag and Absolutely. that's life in a nutshell i think for everybody it's it's a mixed bag it's a mixed undertaking <laughs> For sure. U.S. Creator, we know that the deep subconscious communicates through emotion and that it falls to the conscious mind to decide what it means and act accordingly. In lucid moments, people enslaved to irrational behaviors will even admit that they see themselves that they themselves see the irrationality, but cannot help themselves. Clearly, there is a healing need here in terms of removing underlying past and parallel life trauma that is fueling the emotion leading to the irrational behavior. But beliefs are also in play. In addition to healing the trauma, do the beliefs have to be dealt with as well? All right, and this is a rather important point. Creator tells us the following. The creation of negative beliefs is an important aspect of the damage caused by trauma. There are indeed two levels of difficulty here. The first is the negative emotional consequences of something going wrong and harming an individual, whether caused by the self or others, that will lead to a karmic need to rebalance what happened with a kind of restitution. If not, that energy will lodge within the physical body and may well begin to impair physical functioning and certainly emotional functioning until a way to heal it has been found. When the deep subconscious sees things in other lifetimes and starts to fret about them, that will reopen the old wound and reconnect the living person with the dark energies of a past trauma, even in other lifetimes. And that will flow into them and cause them to be off balance and begin a kind of suffering from inner tension, fear, and so on. It is the presence of this negative energy and how it is experienced that can lead to the creation of negative beliefs that may well be unwarranted, but hard to avoid when one is being assaulted by a high level of negativity. This is commonplace because people take personally what happens to them. If they are mistreated by others, they may well develop a dislike or hatred towards their perpetrator, and this forms a dark negative belief about them and their worldliness. Similarly, if a person is attacked by others, but takes it to heart and fears that the criticism is warranted, they may well develop negative beliefs about themselves. Such beliefs are a barrier to divine healing, as well as the ability of the person to rise above the quagmire that has been created. The divine realm cannot simply override people's free will choice to hate one another or themselves. So a much more lengthy and complex process of healing must be undertaken to work back from a distance towards the event in question in order to help uncreate the need for the negative beliefs rather than work to fix it directly. It is this combination of negative energy and negative beliefs in the bargain from such experiences that represent a major backlog of needed karmic repair people have as a burden that affects all of society and your future proceeding more smoothly and moving upward versus degrading further and even commencing a downward spiral. Negative beliefs 
like the stored negativity, can be changed through divine intervention. But this requires permission of the person's own mind or the higher self, but most times will be off limits unless the person's mind can be asked directly and make an agreement to have a change made by the divine realm. And of course, this rarely happens unless someone is working with a healing practitioner with the requisite skills and intuitive connection to the Almighty to enable this direct transformation. So there's a lot of important information and revelations here, I think. Um, A a question I guess I have is, um, is it fair to say that, that a third party has the, the ability to request the removal of trauma for another individual through the Lightwork Healing Protocol of Prayer, for instance. But it, it clearly says here that the removal of the belief, though, requires permission from the individual or their higher self. So that that's not something that we really have the, uh, the license to go in and change for somebody. We can remove their trauma or request that it be removed, and the divine will oblige that request, but they're not going to, something needed, something else is more is needed in order to fix the belief, though. That's what I'm getting out of here. Well, on its face, you're right. However, we have a workaround in the Lightworker Healing Protocol. Because humans can request the divine to do things and then be in the lead, we ask in the protocol for the spirit team, for that person, our client, including the Almighty, to come in and actively work with the deep subconscious to ask about its dilemma and invite it to create a novel solution and help to coach it. That's possible because we are driving it as a practitioner to give the divine realm permission to do that on our behalf. So that is an exception to the rule. It's a workaround. And this is why you go to church. This is why you seek help and and, and assistance from others of faith, because they can be your spokesperson. They can be your advocate. They have standing because they're human. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's actually a a somewhat recent innovation uh, in Revelation for you even. Yes. Yes. I had to think of it, you see. I mean, this is this is a do-it-yourself world. I did this protocol for several years without realizing I could create a workaround for that roadblock. Yes. And and and, and creator never told me I could do that. I had to think of it. You see, this is this is the learning curve we're in and why it's going slowly and taking so long to get where we want to go. And and the reason you think a lot about it. The reason you come up with some of these ideas is because you have help doing that. You know, you're, the answers that creator gives might contain subtle hints, but it's up to you to discover what those hints are and have that aha moment. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and you've had people help you by, by asking questions and, and presenting their dilemmas that you then explore with creator, and that opens the door for new insights. So people, not, people are contributing to this evolution of the Lightworker Healing Protocol. Yes, we have a group of practitioners, and they come up with creative suggestions. And sometimes it's just the germ of an idea that could be expanded on even further. And some really good aspects and empowerment within the protocol has come about that way as a collaborative effort. And that's as it should be. 
Yes. We're all in this together, and everyone can be a part, and everyone can actually do this protocol. You can learn how to use it. You can get training. Absolutely, and the way you can is by first learning about it, and you can do that by downloading our free ebook describing the Lightworker Healing Protocol and the training that goes along with it. You can get that at getwisdom.com slash LHP. That's getwisdom.com slash LHP. You can also look into hiring an LHP practitioner to go explore and resolve some of your own dilemmas. And you can find those at getwisdom.com. Look at our healing tab, and uh, the information is all there. Be sure to explore that and continue to explore this program with us as we'll come back with more Get Wisdom right after this. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at GetWisdom.com. That's contact at GetWisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the final segment of this week's Get Wisdom. We are looking at creator's revelations on our faulty coping behaviors, our quirky behavior, Carl. And um, it's been a fascinating journey so far. There's a lot of really good answers that have come through with this uh, this inquiry. Well, and it's an important teaching about how the human mind works because the field of psychology is really ignorant about the role of the subconscious and things. And they do not know the deep subconscious even exists. Yeah. They don't acknowledge any of the metaphysical phenomena. And that's another area where they're wearing blinders. And it's just the way it is. You know, we're not here to trash anyone. We, but we want people to become aware of these deeper explanations for human behavior, human foibles, human problems. Because our problems are serious or can be. And there's answers. Yeah. But you have to embrace an understanding of the dynamics and the mechanisms in order to have the right solution. Otherwise, and, you're just going to spin your wheels. And we've learned through this project of just what a huge impact and shaping force the deep subconscious is on who we are, what we like to do, what we don't like to do, our fears, our foibles. I mean, 
it, it impacts every aspect of our life. If we think of an iceberg, it's the huge part of the iceberg we don't see under the water. And it's so much bigger than what we do see at the top. Well, and the other thing I would point out, because this show can't talk about everything, we're focusing on some coping behaviors and some oddities and quirks that people exhibit that come from a deep inner place. But this is also the cause of 94% of physical illness, that the deep subconscious is processing trauma that is feeding discord in the current life and beating up on the body, principally through stress, but also creating even a genetic pattern of expression that sets a person up to have a recapitulation, a re-experiencing of a karmic dilemma they've lived out before, maybe dying young, maybe having heart disease, maybe getting dementia, maybe having uh, career failures and inability to get along with people, or other physical illnesses like diabetes and, and so on. Karma is huge in all of that, and it comes from inner awareness of past trauma. Yes, yes. You ask creator, pushing back against one against one's own emotions and habits is usually countered by the deep subconscious with even more intense emotion and anxiety. So I, I visualize kind of a tug of war between the conscious self and the deep subconscious oftentimes. Marshalling inner strength seems an almost inexplicable outcome of excessive irrational behavior. At what point does the deep subconscious finally relent and ease off in response to a newly determined self, no longer willing to accept such emotions uncritically? Is it simply a bigger trauma overwhelming a smaller one, or is it the long-incoming birth of wisdom? All right, and this is what Creator tells us. Your description of attaining a self-healing through having an epiphany of some sort has ample precedence. But we can tell you that in most instances, it is not truly a deep and thorough healing of the deep issues, but more an incremental beginning stage as a consequence of the differing levels of the mind coming into better alignment as to the agenda needed, if not greater clarity about what has been missing and the establishment of an ability to communicate better. The levels of the mind will still be disjointed such that the deep subconscious will know what the conscious mind is doing, but the conscious self will still be oblivious to whatever the deep subconscious sees and worries about. What is taking place when there is a kind of inner reflection that leads to a breakthrough, a kind of surrendering to the need for a change? enabling perhaps for the first time a productive course of action being implemented is usually a surrender by the conscious mind to give up with its coping strategies that aren't working, to abandon the false hopes and false assumption that they can continue. What is happening is usually a surrender by the conscious mind to give up with its coping strategies that aren't working, to abandon the false hopes and false assumption, they can continue to skirt by while ignoring the reality around them, and so on. This is commonly referred to as receiving a wake-up call. It is simply the conscious self making a healthier choice to see what is realistic and aligning and embracing it with a more productive strategy to take an action of some kind to right the ship at long last. 
the deep subconscious will see that and immediately feel relief and may well develop hope. And this will further amplify a more positive emotional response that will be uplifting and empowering as well. Many people have described a time when they hit bottom, so to speak, and then gave up. And what happened thereafter was a kind of awakening with an inner resolve to finally take charge and make things change for the better. That is the very kind of realignment in the agendas of the respective levels of the mind that is needed many times to abandon a gridlock that keeps people working at cross purposes and avoiding the inevitable reckoning with their failure to engage with life in an effective, rewarding fashion. So this is a good start when it happens. It can also be amplified and built on further in an active way by the divine realm. If someone is in spiritual alignment and having such an experience, this is the value of partnering with the divine to begin with, because it makes such things much more likely and more successful in taking hold and continuing to help for the long term. Yeah, Creator points out one thing that we probably didn't go into detail here, but I think it's a good thing to explore briefly, is that some of these quirks, people can, obviously we could have more than one quirk, right, Carl? (laughs) Uh, I I would say so, yes. Yeah, so the the interesting thing is that some of these quirks are at cross purposes. You know, um, they actually work against each other to create even greater levels of havoc in the life, you know, and and that's that's definitely where a lot of people can take a step backwards and go, wow, talk about irrational, you know. And so, like, for instance, the behavior of, of filling the cupboards full of food and stuff, but then combine that with a phobia of um, foodborne illness and throwing out everything right at the expiration date and not eating leftovers that are more than a day old, you know, those two behaviors suddenly collide and you end up with half the food in the garbage can. <laughs> <You know? laughs> not a good thing, right? So mm-hmm. this idea that different different quirky behaviors can collide and create an even bigger problem is is one that's quite interesting. Karma makes the world go round. I think that's <laughs> a good take home uh, thought for the day. Well, I think a lot of screenwriters are thankful for that. <laughs> well, that's what they're showing up on the big screen. It's karma, karma, karma. It is karma twenty four seven. U.S. creator hitting rock bottom is the hard way to overcome everyday irrationality. And I can attest to that. (laughs) Can Creator share how prayer work and the Lightworker Healing Protocol provide an easier way to resolve our not-so-benign idiosyncrasies? Right, and this is Creator's answer. There are much easier and better ways to turn one's life around than waiting until you're truly exhausted, depressed, and depleted to the extent you are suffering tremendously and the obstacles in the way of improvement seem far too great to overcome. It is far better to start whenever there is an inner impulse to have a better life and act then and there to reach up to the Almighty and ask for help to increase your belief, increase your inner inspiration and guidance, Increase the support you will need, as well as to request healing for what has been holding you back and protection from outside manipulation that will work against you if not reined in by the divine realm. In a sense, it is one-stop shopping for all that is needed to be successful in life. 
You are already well-equipped from the makeup of your soul alone to do anything you need to as a human being. If things are not working in your life, it is the local conditions, the temporary circumstances, the particular environment you inhabit and its history, and the sum total of life experience that's befallen you, perhaps from growing up in a dysfunctional family or having other obstacles. And that often is entirely personal and internal and having so much baggage from other lifetimes that it becomes overwhelming and incapacitates a person. Working on the problem immediately and often is always the ticket to a speedier recovery and regaining control over things and eventually moving in a positive direction that will save the day for you. Through a combination of prayer and using the Lightworker Healing Protocol to enable deep karmic healing, you have the ingredients and the tools needed to overcome most any problem if it is doable at all. There are some people for whom failure will be a karmic repayment and is simply in the cards because the higher self sees the person must atone for something and it is better to just get it over with in the current life so the next one will be smoother and successful finally. But with the advent of these healing tools, more and more things become accessible and can be dealt with through receiving divine grace made possible through forming a partnership with the divine. That changes the equation because healing does not have to happen through giving a pound of flesh any longer. It can be done through a conscious requesting of greater understanding and wisdom and a healing applied for the self and others wronged in other times and places on behalf of the requester. And this is the divine is this the divine realm can see to to help put back what was denied to the person or they themselves withheld in the form of loving kindness. And this will deal with restoring things to the balance needed by the universe and will satisfy the law of karma that you have truly healed and restored your part of the universe as is your obligation. It works because you are not a passive supplicant and recipient. You are actively addressing the problem in reaching out to the divine taking responsibility, and applying your intelligence to claim your birthright as an extension of divine consciousness and stepping into your true role as a divine emissary here to heal and expand the human enterprise. You will gain, and all in the human family will be the better for your efforts. Your efforts. <clears throat> this is, this is a, a project to inform people, invite them, encourage them, recruit them to join our effort. We are not sitting back complacent, hoping for things to get better and and, count, and looking to benevolent extraterrestrials to come in and solve all our problems for us. We're looking to take the lead ourselves to work with partnership with the divine and solve these problems directly. This is what we're learning from Creator, and this is what we're here to share with people, Carl. Well, and we've been told, if one thing will save humanity, it is the Lightworker Healing Protocol. This is Creator's words, not mine. And the reason is the empowerment that it contains with the divine wisdom, the hard-won divine wisdom. It's available. It is available, and please, by all means, check it out. You can get the ebook at getwisdom.com slash LHP, getwisdom.com slash LHP. Get our prayer book. Prayer. I like, I like to think of prayer as uh, little nuggets of the Lightworker Healing Protocol because essentially the protocol itself is a long prayer, but we have powerful prayers that can be said in a short period of time, and you can get those at getwisdom.com slash prayer, getwisdom.com slash prayer. 
And uh, check out GetWisdom.com. Become a participant member, eternally free. A uh, good 90% of our content, uh, hundreds of hours of content is available for you to go through. We have our Get Wisdom database. More to cover than we have in the few seconds left here, Carl. But uh, check out GetWisdom.com by all means. We are out of time. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Be well. Thank you for listening today. Please tune in next Friday for another edition of Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They'll be here at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a beautiful week. 